Welcome to the ACC Panic Room alongside Lauren Brownlow. I'm Joe Obius. I'm back in Raleigh. Lauren is in Greenville, South Carolina. But the action was in Fort Worth, Texas, where I don't, I still don't know how North Carolina pulled that off. Do you? No, 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 and no, no. I really, honestly, and I was even saying it to myself with when Brady made it got ejected. I'm like, yeah. okay, this, and when they started unraveling after that, and they kept unraveling. They kind of would write the shift long enough that you were like, maybe, but then they yeah. would, un- you know. And so you were just like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And somehow they made enough plays to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, I thought that the, I actually thought um, after after Carolina lost both of yeah. their primary guys. Yeah, and Caleb uh, that, Love, when he fouled out, I was like, When okay. he fouled out and that they had an inability to handle inbounding yeah. the ball for one. And then the inability to really get themselves out of a press. And it's not – I understand the inbound of the ball. It's a little bit difficult when you have your key guys. And eventually Hubert Davis started putting Leaky Black in that situation to get the ball out of inbounds. But Leaky Black was also a guy who kept running to a corner yeah. uh, in the middle of the press, which is like, dude. He might have set like... a record for, like, the amount of times he tried to bounce the ball off someone. Yeah. God, it was like – sometimes watching them try to break the press was like watching someone walking through, like, a field of, like – it was like playing Minesweeper or something. It was like, you know, when you're clicking and you don't know where the mine is and Minesweeper and you're like, all right, where is it? And then the and other just, thing, oh. the other thing too is, because I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I thought that they were going to do enough to at least hold on. And yes. uh, they ended up getting, um, when, when, when Cisco uh, tripped his own guy. Cisco. And, um, and Armando Baycock got to the line. I thought, okay. That's enough time. Make the two free throws. Yes. You should be good to go. Armando Baycott misses both free throws. They end up obviously they end up tying the game. They go to overtime. Now I think ninety nine percent of the people on social media were convinced that if they got to overtime, Baylor was just going to take over. Yeah. The shout out to the one percent, and I'm sure that Hubert Davis was part of that one percent that believed that Justin McCoy and Dontrez Styles would be able to hold things down defensively against Baylor and they would do enough, enough. to get out in yes. front just to get yeah. enough offensively and they did make free throws during that stretch to pull out the win because again I'm still at a loss as to how they managed to overcome everything that was thrown at them and look it's a credit to Hubert Davis in this group ever since that pit loss they've been finding ways to be resilient they've been finding ways to not let the other teams get to them or at least overcome it and now they're yeah. off to the Sweet 16. I, I mean, honestly, I feel exhausted after just watching. I'm still, I, I'm still tired. It's been like an hour since it ended. You yeah. know, I didn't even make it to Duke's availability on time because I'm covering it from the hotel room, and I'm thinking, well, I got plenty of time. Right. You know, famous last words, right? But yeah, of I course, mean, I, of course. I, it's just honestly, if you told somebody a month ago that they would allow like a 31-9 run, Brady Manning injected with 10 minutes left, and Caleb Love would foul out with five points, you would think Baylor won by 50. Like, what? It's wild that they managed to do this. It shows a lot, I think, about kind of their toughness and their ability to respond. And some of it, too, let's be real. Baylor probably ran out of gas a touch. You know, you don't just erase a 25-point lead. No, like, you there's don't. a reason it doesn't happen that often. So Yeah, and, 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 and about the manic call, um, that was a weak flagrant two. Uh, it was strange, was it a, yeah. Was it a high elbow? Yes. Was it worthy of a flagrant call? Yeah, absolutely. But was it worthy of an ejection in the NCAA tournament or any basketball game for that matter? 
no. I did not think it was worthy of an ejection. Yeah, it was um, strange. It was strange. And, you know, a lot of things can be true at the same time as well. You know, I, I hate talking about officiating. I really do. I really do. And I know there's a good chunk of people who are watching this panic room that don't want to hear any sympathy for North Carolina when it comes to bad officiating that affects them. Um, but you got to do a better job of getting control of the game. And you also have to do yeah. a better job of not putting the other team in a position where they start to freeze because they're worried that they're going to get a ticky-tack call while the other team can essentially play football down the stretch. Um, I mean, I know I know, I saw several yeah. of the jokes that we've seen. A, we've already seen a Baylor-North Carolina football game uh, that Baylor was able to run all over UNC uh, without a QB. It was a little weird flashback to that in a basketball game. I wasn't expecting to see what was it the uh, it wasn't the Duke's Mayo Bowl at the time. What was at the Belk Bowl uh, at the well, time? Well, this UNC many... team certainly tackled better. So. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they were much more resilient to overcome getting you know shoved it down their throat, right? No, so like again, I preface this by saying I don't like talking about officiating. So you know it's really really freaking egregious when I'm sitting here going like, okay. I know how this is going to go. Baylor's going to be able to do whatever they want, and no, no foul is going to get called. North Carolina is going to find themselves in a situation where they're going to get a ticky-tack call. And that's exactly how it played out. I was shocked by the way that played out, which adds to North Carolina's surprise in winning yeah. this game. And you know what? If you can win a game like this, I really don't know what you can tell this team going forward. Nothing. And like the, the, the like kind of interesting and kind of cool thing for North Carolina fans is like you're never in a position – that it doesn't matter what you do, you know? Yeah. And they were, I, I will say this, I did say like, it's all gravy from here for Carolina, no matter what happens in the second half, except like you have to think there's a little bit of a sour taste if they end up losing a 25 point lead, obviously, oh, sure. and the way the sure. game played out. But at the same time, like, honestly, most Carolina fans were good after the Duke game, you know? So anything from there is gravy. And, you know, for Hubert Davis to pull this off, like, and for this team to respond the way they have, it's it's impressive and certainly was unexpected. And that and that, that's the other unexpected part too. Uh, shout out to my guy Mav who um, pointed out that this is why Hubert Davis should probably yeah. have developed the bench a little bit more during the season. However, the counter to that is North Carolina is not in the position that they're in at the end of the year. No, if they're not. They don't focus so much time on their starting five or a rotation of six dudes so that they actually know how to play some pretty good basketball well, when and, Brady and Manick you, is on the floor. And you know what? Hubert Davis has insisted all year that those guys were ready to come in and contribute when they're called upon. You know, yeah. when they're needed, they, they'll be ready because they've been working hard, blah, 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 right? And Styles, I mean, he came in and played well. He set the tone in overtime, you know? Like, he did, He's no, a little rough for him really early, did. and he played great. Like, they, they, I don't know that they win if he doesn't play the way he did. So one other thing about UNC before we move on to Duke, and this is really just me being extremely online. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll have a couple people in my mentions um, talking about the the haters with a Z as it relates to UNC. I would say though, when we talk about the haters in North Carolina, I believe that this is more applicable to a Spider-Man pointing meme because don't yeah. look to the outside for the haters; look inward for the haters because a lot of the calls were coming from within the Smith Center if you catch my drift um, yeah. at the beginning of the season there were so many people that were out on Hubert Davis without even giving the man an opportunity to see how the rest of the season would play out and when you look at the growth of the team you look at the decisions that were made specific to this team I don't know how the future is going to look right. for we Hubert no Davis idea. and this Tar Heel team I don't know what recruiting and transfers and all that stuff 
are gonna are gonna look like in the future. But specific to this team, you can't sit here and say he didn't do a good job, given Absolutely. where they were after the pit loss to where they are today, going to the Sweet 16, and a resiliency in the group that if this were before pit would have easily yeah. fallen apart. But after pit, even in some of those wins in the ACC regular season, they found yeah. out. And I pointed this out early on because it was clear that Baylor read the scouting report earlier from this season on North Carolina that they could be bothered, okay? If you're kind of tough with them, maybe you knock them in the mouth, you know, that kind of thing. They're going to start getting a little, uh, you know, a little, little fragile, right? But that's actually not what this North Carolina team has been like since. It especially was clear in the Duke game where Duke tried to be fake tough with them and they were unbothered yeah. by it. And they were clearly unbothered by it early on with, um, what did, uh, what's another name for that guy? Eve was what Joey Powell called him. Yeah, shout out to Joey Powell. Shout out to Joey Powell. Shout out to Joey Powell with the Eve reference. Uh, Yes, because Eve uh, was definitely out there being an agitator, and not. It takes a lot. It takes a lot to not like a dude to the level of a Duke player like a Grayson Allen, but he is obviously going to be in the pantheon. Him and uh, what's his face from Creighton? Why I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head from the the tournament um, game something and they're in the same they were in the same building by the way part i of the know group that was clearly by the way like at least a half crowd rooting for carolina which i was not expecting but yeah. as a, a, a kansas fan reminded me big 12 fans don't root for each other no they don't they don't and roy was there too so you know he was pulling for kansas oh he had but, to be having a heart attack i know well i was gonna say they kept cutting to him during the game and it was ridiculous but yeah now i can't remember the Creighton player's name off the top of my head it's gonna bother me the rest of the day anyway uh you were in the building last night for duke you had texted me that Duke still looks a little iffy, which is not a good. Little, not good a going little. against Michigan State. Just a little. I do think that them getting a win that they had to fight for a little bit, maybe it helps them. They did some things well, but Trevor Keels remains kind of in a funk. Jeremy Roach has played well, but they I feel like Keels takes them gives them a different dimension, you know, mm. and if he's not if he's not playing at a high level, I just don't know how confident I am that they go as far as they can. But Roach has played well. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's played well. It's just Keels is a special athlete, you know, I, I think, and, and can make yeah. plays. He's just not playing well right now. I think they could really use that. That could potentially take things to a new level. I thought they played well overall at times. You know, they started out well, but then it just kind of the, – the talk broke down on both ends of the court. You know, Cal State Fullerton kept cutting it within single digits, and you're like, okay, guys. Like, they pulled back ahead. But, it, yeah, it, it wasn't perfect. They'll take it, but they're obviously going to have their hands full tomorrow with – Michigan State and uh, the fight in Tom Izzo's. The fight in Tom Izzo's. <laughs> yeah, I know. Speaking of uh, of calls, I know a lot of Davidson players were not happy with the fact that Ethan Raggy, by the way, was the creator. There we go. I knew it was I an E go. name, but I couldn't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah, I had to go. I had I had to go look that up uh, from you know the the Kendall Marshall injury from whatever year that was. But anyway, um, yeah, I know a lot of Davidson fans were not happy with the way that that game was called down the stretch, yeah. but. Uh, it's going to be because they wanted Tom Izzo versus Coach K. Maybe they did, but that's good for Coach K because typically they get over on Tom Izzo and the, uh, and the Spartans, right? Typically they do. Obviously, though, the last time they saw him in the tournament, they didn't. And, you know, this is where Duke's going to have to get that. We're going to find out a lot about where Duke's at, you know, in terms yeah. of confidence-wise, I think, tomorrow. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the ACC Panic Room. Go say hi to Tom for me. I know he's talking right now. I think he's he's done finally. Yes, finally but, done. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll see you tomorrow night on the panic room. <laughs>